This is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. We're less than four weeks away from Election Day. Lots of Minnesotans are voting even now, so we're going to continue today with our Meet the Candidate series. All eight of Minnesota's seats in the U.S. House of Representatives are on the ballot. And to start the program today, we're going to zoom in on the 6th District. It's just north of Minneapolis and St. Paul. It includes the St. Cloud area, Maple Lake and Buffalo, south to Chaska, and all the way east to Scandia, Hugo, and Forest Lake. It's been one of the state's most reliably Republican districts, and Tom Emmer has represented it since 2015. He's a lawyer, a former state legislator, a former radio show host, and this year is heading up the national Republican effort to win back control of the House. Congressman Emmer is facing a challenge from Democrat Tanya Zaradka. She's a broadcaster and the owner of a television production company and a former Mrs. Minnesota America. The two candidates are with me on the phone to talk about where they stand on the issues. Thanks to both of you for doing this. I'll give you each a minute at the start and a minute at the end. And Tanya Zaradka, uh, you're the challenger. So one minute, tell us why you think the voters should give you a chance to represent the 6th District in Congress. Well, good morning, Mike. Uh, First of all, thank you for pronouncing my name right. (laughs) I greatly appreciate that. Um, I just have a brief statement this morning. I would like to thank you, of course, at NPR for, you know, this opportunity to really contrast the differences between myself and, you know, CD6's bought and paid for Congressman Tom Emmer. I I really can't even uh, begin to tell you how many times I've sat in my car after arriving at, you know, wherever I was going and continued to listen to NPR so I could hear the rest of the story. Um, You know, I I never really envisioned myself running for such a high office, but then, you know, as fate would have it, one night I attended my first town hall in St. Cloud, and that was the night that Tom Emmer humiliated a little 10-year-old girl. Um, You know, she stood up and she asked him, how could you allow innocent children to be ripped from their parents' arms and put in cages? And, you know, Emmer's response was, and, you know, I'm quoting because I was there, he said, well, they aren't cages, it's indoor fencing. So, you know, I just want everyone listening to know that I've always tried to, to run a positive campaign, but Tom Emmer, he just makes it impossible. Okay. You know, he voted against protecting women from violence. He voted to take away health care with no replacement plan for millions of people when, you know, he has the best health care in the world. And, and he made sure Minnesota received no federal funds to rebuild after the devastating, uh, you know, George Floyd protest. So, okay. you know, that, the kicker... That's a the minute. Kicker let, was, me, let me go to sure. Congressman Emmer. Uh, what's your one-minute case for re-election, Congressman? Mike, first off, thanks to you and thanks to all your listeners. Hope everybody is healthy uh, and uh, is safe. Uh, look, uh, we're in unprecedented times, Mike, and I'm an optimist. I believe we are going to get through this. Uh, we have have to remember the core tenets of what makes Minnesota and the United States great. Freedom and opportunity. We all want better health care. We all want a cleaner environment. We all want a stronger economy. But the solutions to achieve these things come from people, not the government. Look, Mike, we've done a lot of great work so far uh, in the mental health area, which has been a focus of ours. We breathe new life and more than $10 million in funding to a program that delivers mental health counseling and services to some of our most vulnerable. Uh, We secured unanimous support for the Allie Honnold Act to uh, help law enforcement engage with victims of sexual assault and prosecute. And we secured more than $55 million in federal funding for road and bridge projects in Minnesota. Uh, We want to go back to continue this great work. Okay, uh, let's uh, start with the uh, pandemic. Uh, more than 210 people have died nationwide, more than 2,100 Minnesotans. Businesses have been closed. People are out of work. What should the House do and what would you support to get us past the COVID-19 pandemic? 
and to safely get the economy working again. And uh, Congressman Emmer, we'll start with you and then go to your opponent. Uh, Thanks for the question, Mike. Look, uh, the uh, House has already taken unprecedented action. In fact, Congress, in a bipartisan manner, passed the CARES Act. Uh, We've actually had three different bills since March uh, to help people get across uh, from the pandemic to the other side where we can rebuild and and, uh, grow again. Uh, We're already uh, seeing an economic recovery. Unfortunately, it's not for everyone. There's work yet to be done. Uh, And I think you're going to see Congress take some more action sometime within the next few weeks. Uh, We prefer that it happen now. I know the president uh, has asked for the specific proposals that both Republicans and Democrats agree on. Unfortunately, that's being held up because of this this, uh, election. Uh, I I would hope that very soon uh, the majority in the House would put people ahead of uh, the politics of the election. So okay. I, I think we've done unprecedented things so far, Mike, and I think we've got some more work to do uh, left. Uh, hopefully it'll happen before the election. Tanya Zaradka, uh, what would you do t- and what would you support in the House to uh, help us get past this pandemic, get the economy working again? Well, I think it's interesting, you know, that you just heard Tom Emmer say that he would put people ahead of politics. You know, the kicker is last week, after being exposed to a COVID-positive president, You know, Emmer and two of his cronies boarded a Delta flight from Washington back to Minnesota, risking the lives of those passengers on board. I mean, let's talk about redefining snakes on a plane. You know, if you want to get this economy working again, how about stopping this pandemic? How about wearing a mask out in public? How about telling people they should social distance instead of getting on a plane after you know you've been exposed. So, you know, he talks out of both sides of his mouth. He says one thing and then he shows up without a mask. He says he believes in putting you know, people ahead of politics and he gets on a plane and risks everybody's life. He violated the Delta policy. So I would ask him exactly when was his last test? When were you last tested? According to your website in your office, which I've spoken to, you haven't been tested since last Friday and yet you're out making campaign uh, events and appearances and not wearing a mask. So before we can get this economy back going, I think, first of all, our representative has to stop, you know, spreading rhetoric that kills people. Well, um, Congressman, we can get to the testing, but first let me ask you about the mask requirements. Why do they seem to be optional at uh, so many Republican events and rallies? And do you support a mask requirement? Well, it's all about uh, social distancing and respecting one another. Uh, and I support whatever keeps people safe. But I, I do want to talk about this. The uh, It's unfortunate and I think unfair that some people would like to politicize uh, every one of these issues. Last week, uh, by the way, Mike, I'm, I'm tested repeatedly. I, I was tested repeatedly up to the, uh, uh, the event on Air Force One. I was tested the day before. I was tested that day. Uh, I've been tested repeatedly since. In fact, my last uh, test just came back yesterday, a negative again. Uh, listen, this is a serious uh, virus. Uh, we take it serious. Uh, it, it's very unfortunate that uh, someone would politicize an issue uh, when we were released. Uh, Friday morning, I went in and met with the Capitol physician, who, by the way, takes care of Amy Klobuchar, takes care of uh, Nancy Pelosi, takes care of everyone, Republican and Democrat, sat down with them. Uh, the statement to me after we went through all the facts were, because I did not have a prolonged and sustained personal contact with someone who was uh, infected, uh, I was low exposure. And then, of course, we had a test just to verify it. 
uh, and we've been tested since. The uh, capital physician uh, released us to fly. I I followed that recommendation. And then uh, the uh, medical people with Delta uh, made the same conclusions. Uh, It's very unfortunate that uh, Ken Martin and the DFL would uh, try to ratchet this up and scare people uh, unnecessarily. So, uh, look, at the end of the day, Mike, uh, this is something very serious. We should respect one another, uh, and we should take whatever precautions that we believe are important for our safety uh, and the safety of those around us. Tanya Zaradka, uh, let me get back to uh, my last question because I, I'm not sure you answered it. Um, what is it going to take to get past this pandemic, and what would you support in the House? What kind of measures would you vote for to uh, get people healthy and get the economy healthy? Well, first of all, I think that, you know, the Democrats have had a bill sitting there waiting to help everybody and the Senate won't pass it. And, you know, it's still sitting there. I, I would just like to get back, though. What would I support? I would support getting immediate aid to everybody who needs it. I would support getting people who don't are on unemployment right now or about to be evicted, get in those uh, extended unemployment benefits. There's a lot of things we can do to help people, you know, do a freeze right now on mortgages and landlords, have the banks freeze things, do something. People are about to be evicted and kicked out on the street, and they're going to be homeless and fighting COVID. And, you know, Tom Emmer wants to gloss over this and blame it on Ken Martin. This has nothing to do with Ken Martin and the DFL. This is about a man who got on an airplane after sitting next to President Trump on the tarmac and being in a tube, a flying tube back on Air Force One, which is not a safe space. And he risked everybody's lives, and now he's trying to make you make it sound like he was tested yesterday. According to his office, they don't know when he was last tested. So what would I do? I would enact the legislation that's been sitting there for four months and not make excuses and not go back to your talking points and get things done and tell the truth, because that's what I bring to the table. Someone that's going to tell the truth, who isn't a career politician. And, you know, shame on you, Tom Emmer. You got on that plane thinking your needs were way more important than everybody else's needs. And that's what people are sick and tired of. And that's what I bring to the table. Someone that's not going to lie. Tom Emmer, I'll let you respond, but I also have a question about uh, a stimulus package. It sounds like you support another one. Uh, how big should it be? Who should it help? Well, let's talk about that. So the uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi introduced the HEROES Act uh, in late May, early June. Uh, basically, it was a $3.5 trillion wish list of uh, Democrat priorities instead of uh, being a viable starting point where two sides could have a, uh, a, a substantive discussion about real COVID relief. Uh, Listen, the HEROES Act was not the answer. What uh, Nancy Pelosi did uh, at the beginning of uh, September is she dropped her top line number to $2.2 trillion, but she kept numerous political provisions unrelated to the pandemic, like mandating a release of certain federal prisoners and criminals and removing state control over elections, while omitting things like liability protections for businesses trying to make it through this crisis. There are several, Mike, uh, nonpartisan things that we can pass through both chambers right now to help families and businesses through this pandemic if Speaker Pelosi would actually work in good faith. Things like additional funding for airline payroll support program, for the PPP loan forgiveness uh, issue for loans under $150,000. In fact, uh, the Treasury yesterday announced forgiveness of PPP loans made up to 50 but I personally think that should be higher. And additional targeted support to our hospitals and healthcare uh, workers can be signed into law tomorrow if the Speaker and House Democrats dropped the political charade. Well, they were talking, though, and the president 
said he, he didn't want any more talks and called off talks. So what does that do to these negotiations? That's actually half the story, uh, because what he did was Nancy Pelosi has refused to budge on these non, uh, non-COVID related items. Uh, and the president uh, said those discussions are done in the next morning. Actually uh, sent her, uh, my understanding is, a communication that said, look, send over these things that we all agree on. Send over the uh, funding for the proposal for additional funding for the airline payroll support program. Send over uh, legislation that uh, would allow us to forgive loans, uh, PPP loans, uh, under $150,000. Send over the additional targeted support to our hospitals and healthcare workers, and I'll sign it into law this afternoon. I, he did that yesterday, right. uh, and they're not doing it. So it's it's right. unfortunate. Again, uh, it's time to put people ahead of these politics. This is not the time to advance your ideological agenda. This is the time to actually get to work to help the American people, regardless of uh, where they come from and what their political persuasion is. Tanya Zaradko, you talked a little bit about what you would support in another stimulus package. Can you talk more about that uh, and how much, how big of a package do you think it should be? Well, you know, thank you for pointing out that once again, Tom Emmer is a, you know, a career politician with his talking points that he keeps circling back to. He blames everything on Nancy Pelosi. I was there in Delano when he said he couldn't vote for the Violence Against Women's Act because Nancy Pelosi politicized it. Stop blaming Nancy Pelosi. Get the job done. You're being paid almost $200,000 a year, and you have the best health insurance in the world, and you're not doing your job. Mitch McConnell is not doing his job. And to blame it on Nancy Pelosi not being in good faith, she came down almost a trillion dollars or more to meet. And what did Mnuchin do? He did nothing. This is all because you don't want to give Democratic states any money. You don't want to give Governor Waltz any money. You don't want to help. You just want to play political games, and people are starting to see through it. So what would I support? I would support getting the $600 into people's hands. For these for these people that are in, in office right now to stand up and say, well, you know, that's going to keep people from going back to work. Really? That's going to keep food on the table. That's going to keep a roof over their heads. That's going to keep people in their homes so that they're not out on the streets fighting COVID. And people are sick of it. They're sick of you blaming everything on Nancy Pelosi. They're sick of you blaming everything on Democrats. Do your job and get it done. Pass something. It's been sitting there long enough. Do your job, Tom Emmer. That's why we pay you. Tom Emmer, let me ask you a question. Are you concerned about the amount of federal spending that's occurred because of the pandemic and and before the pandemic? Uh, There was a lot of talk about budget deficits uh, during the last administration, but not much at all during this one. Um, Is the money being spent wisely? Is there enough money? Anything to worry about with deficits and debt right now? Uh, absolutely, Mike. Uh, look, I, I'm, I'm very proud of the work that we've done so far. Uh, you know, I talked to you about the mental health area that we've actually made some huge progress uh, in the sex, sexual assault area uh, to help women not only uh, be treated fairly, but to prosecute uh, their abusers. Uh, and in the transportation area, but looking ahead, uh, we're going to continue our work on in the mental health area. We're going to focus on delivering that last mile of broadband, especially to uh, greater Minnesota. We know how important it is, uh, Mike, and we can't go backward now. This is about our health care, telemedicine. This is about uh, education, et cetera. Uh, and then to your question, we have to get control of our spending. Uh, we're quickly approaching that $30 trillion mark. And it's uh, this is why when you look at the next package, uh, it's got to be targeted. Uh, it's got to make sure we should repurpose 
some of the money that's still sitting out there that hasn't been spent. And we're going to have to get control of the uh, the spending issue going forward uh, like never before. But I'll tell you, uh, it was tough for me. It was the Hobson's choice when we talked about the CARES Act. I believe we did the right thing. And I believe a strong economy, which is what uh, we're going to have next year when it comes back, once we have a vaccine for this virus, once we can make sure that people are not only healthy, but they're protected from the most uh, uh, worst tragedy that this virus uh, can present, guess what? You're going to see a recovery like, uh, like we expect and we've never seen before. We had the best economy in 50 years before this pandemic hit, Mike. Uh, we can have that again. And once that economy is rolling, uh, then it is imperative that we uh, go after that deficit. Tanya Zaradka, uh, do you have priorities for federal spending, and what do you think about the uh, the economy and the the way federal spending has gone the past four years? Well, once again, you know, there's a politician droning on with his with his talking points and circling back. He didn't have any trouble passing, you know, the biggest tax cut for billionaires and corporations. Maybe if we hadn't done that, we wouldn't have such a deficit. You know, maybe if they had to pay their fair share and we followed Elizabeth Warren's idea of a, a, a tax on, you know, whatever it takes to make the people pay their fair share and to, to, to not, you know, it's like listening to him. It's just it reinforces everything that everyone is so tired of. He's talking about this rosy future coming up. We're in the biggest crisis of our lives. People are dead. Do you even know how many people have COVID and CD6, Tom Emmer? Do you know how many have died? Do you know what it was like to watch you get on an airplane? I mean, talk about redefining snakes on a plane. You should not have got on that plane. You should not have been at that gathering on the tarmac. You should not have been in that tube flying across the country and then getting on Delta and violating their policy. People are sick and tired of the rhetoric. They're sick and tired of talking points. And most of all, they're sick and tired of your painting this rosy picture and, and not doing your job and all the things that you're trying to get these listeners on NPR to believe. And I would just say to everyone listening today, go to TanyForCongress.com, look at where I stand on issues, look at where I stand on what I can do as an honest person who will stand up and fight for this district and stop listening to this career politician who's projecting this rosy future, which we're in a crisis. I mean, people are out on the street. People are losing their homes. People don't have enough food. There's, there's so many people that have a field hospital now in Wisconsin. You know, this pandemic's not going away. And you sitting here and talking like you're all... You know, Mr. Politician and Mr. Rosie, no one's buying it anymore. We need real action, and we need someone like me who can stand up and fight and who will tell the truth. And that's what I'm asking everybody to do today. Please support me and go to TanyaForCongress.com. Well, let me uh, stick with you for a second, Tanya Zaratka, and ask you, uh, in Duluth last week, President Trump held a rally. Uh, Among the things he said were some disparaging remarks about refugees, Overall, do you think refugees have been a good thing for Minnesota and the 6th Congressional District? Have their contributions been a positive or a negative? Well, good God, that's what Minnesotans do. We're good people. We take in people who need help. Minnesota's taken in so many amazing people that that are in need. And, of course, they're good for Minnesota. And, and, you know, I've met with uh, the Muslim community in St. Cloud, and I've seen where, where they hold their businesses and what they want. They're just like us. They're just people who want to have a fair shot. They want a roof over their head. They want their kids to have a good education. And to demonize these people like, you know, Tom Emmer does and make it at, you know, seem like they're there's some big drain on our society is, is reprehensible. And of course, they're good for Minnesota. And I totally support refugees. And shame on him once again for acting like, you know, having refugees in our, in, is some sort of a you know, a detriment to our society, because that's not true. They're wonderful people, and of course I support them. And I, I send a shout-out to all of our um, refugees in Minnesota. You're welcome here, and you should be welcome here. And everyone listening today is on your side and has your back, except for Tom Emmer. 
Tom Emmer, let me ask you the same question. You were at that rally that uh, the president held in Duluth last week. Uh, Refugees a good thing or a bad thing for Minnesota and the district? Uh, Have their contributions been a positive or a negative? Yeah, listen, I I do need to point out, uh, first off, uh, anybody who has actually worked with me and worked with, uh, seen my record, knows that uh, I represent everyone in the district. I, I actually go into all meetings. Uh, I don't care where you come from or how you got here. If you're here to make your American dream, uh, we're here to, to serve you, and that's uh, that's well documented. But on this coronavirus thing, Mike, I just want to go back for a second. All of us have been impacted by the coronavirus in some form or fashion, and my staff, my staff and I have worked tirelessly to direct resources and information to those struggling to keep their heads above water. We personally facilitated the delivery of 40,000 masks to two major hospitals in the 6th Congressional District during the height of the pandemic. We've hosted multiple town halls focusing on providing health uh, care information, information to small businesses, and education to uh, moms and dads who are trying to uh, figure out this education uh, conundrum that we're in with their kids. I mean, we hear from so many people, Mike, about how concerned they are about their children and their mental health because they're not in school. Uh, these are the things that we're working at, and, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, we're not going to stop working to get uh, targeted assistance for some of these folks, businesses, teachers, child care providers. Uh, I, I'm very proud of the work uh, that my staff and I have done over the last uh, two years, uh, and that's why we're asking for an opportunity to continue to serve this district uh, and, and do even better things. Well, I tell you what, our time has just flown here. Uh, I'm sorry we only have half the program. Uh, Tom Emmer, I told you I'd give you a minute at the end to uh, make a closing statement. Go ahead, take a minute. Well, again, I am very honored to serve the great people of the uh, 6th Congressional District of Minnesota, Minnesota in general. And, uh, you know, we've got 26 days until the election. Uh, I'm asking for your vote again. We've done some great things uh, in mental health, uh, in transportation. We've got work left to be done, building out that last uh, mile of broadband and getting our uh, debt and deficit under control. I'd like the opportunity to go back. And, yes, I am an optimist. We are going to get through this, and we're going to get through the next 26 days. And then we need to remember, Mike, we are all Minnesotans. We are all Americans, and we need to. we just need to get together and start working in the same direction. Okay. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Well, thank you. Uh, Tanya Zaradka, your closing statement, one minute. So I'm just going to scrap my closing statement because what I'd like to say, if he's delivered 40,000 masks to CB6, I think he delivered 39,999 because he won't wear one. I think people have to stop listening to this career politician with his talking points. He talks about all these things he wants to do. He's supporting the president who said those things about um, immigrants. He's supporting the president who who is up there lying and hiding information and not listening to the scientists and not social distancing and and all of these things that this man is telling you right now. Dig deeper. Go look at his actual record. He puts something out there and he pulls it back in. It's this yo-yo effect. He says, "Well, I'm going to do this," and then he votes against it. So go dig deeper into Tom Emmer's record. The reason he keeps winning is because he knows that we won't do that. That we'll just believe whatever he says. I am so grateful to NPR to give me this opportunity. I so appreciate being able to tell people who I am and what I'm about. Again, I reiterate, please visit TanyForCongress.com. And I'll end with this last sentence. A good friend of mine, Bob Niemer, he said to me, tell people you don't want their money, you want their vote. 
I am not about money. I haven't asked for a okay. lot of money. I haven't raised a lot of money because money in politics is the root of all evil, and that's not what my campaign is about. So okay. I don't have a lot of money, but I ask for your vote, and I give you my word. I will never let you down, and I will never lie to you. And thank you, NPR. Thank you. That's Tanya Zaradka. She is the DFL candidate for Congress in the 6th District. Her opponent is Republican incumbent Congressman Tom Emmer. Thanks so much to both of you for doing this. Good afternoon. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And we'll hear from the candidates in the 2nd District coming up. And this is NPR News. I'm Mike Mulcahy. For the rest of the hour, we will continue with our Meet the Candidate series. We're going to shift the focus to the 2nd Congressional District. The district covers the southern metro area and areas south and east. It includes Dakota, Goodhue, Scott, and Wabashaw counties, parts of Rice and Washington counties. DFL Congresswoman Angie Craig is seeking a second term. She's a former business executive and lives in Egan. Her Republican opponent is Tyler Kistner. He's a former officer in the U.S. Marine Corps who's making his first run for office. He lives in Prior Lake. The campaign took an unusual turn last month when a third-party candidate on the ballot died. The death of Adam Weeks of the Legal Marijuana Now Party triggered a state law that requires the race to be decided by a special election in February. But Congresswoman Craig has filed a federal lawsuit saying the results should be determined by November's election, and we're waiting for a judge to weigh in on that. Angie Craig and Tyler Kistner join me now to talk more about their campaign and the issues. Thanks to both of you for coming on. Uh, I will give you each a minute to make an opening statement. Uh, Tyler Kistner, we'll start with you. You're the challenger. Why should voters give you a chance to represent the 2nd Congressional District? No, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure for uh, NPR to host this debate for us. And I uh, thank all the uh, listeners tuning in to hear this debate. And I'd like to just start off by saying what we're seeing and hearing in uh, Washington right now from our Congress is not leadership. Because I know leadership, and I've served nine years active duty in the U.S. Marine Corps, commanding over 500 personnel on four overseas tours. And I've led this nation's finest men and women through the toughest and most chaotic situations. And I'm running to bring my experience and leadership and integrity to change the dysfunction in D.C. I'm an independent thinker, not beholden to any political party. And as a Marine veteran, I always put the country before party. And when it comes to Minnesota, I was born and raised here. I married my high school sweetheart. We have a four-year-old little girl and a little boy who's due at any moment. Uh, And so it's always those Minnesota values, those family values, and really just a servant leadership type heart to always put the voices, the issues, and the concerns of the constituents first and foremost and make sure that this district has their voice at the table. And that's exactly what I look to do. All right. Angie Craig, DFL Congresswoman, why should you get a second term? Hey, Mike, thank you so much for moderating today and to NPR for for hosting us. You know, it's really been the honor of my life to represent the people of the 2nd District over the last two years. I'm a kid who grew up uh, in a mobile home court. I'm a kid of a a single mom, uh, and I rose to help lead a major manufacturing organization right here in the Twin Cities. And I know how lucky I've been. You know, in Congress, I've been fighting to make sure that health care is more affordable. I've worked to expand opportunities to education, especially when it comes to career skills and technical education and support for special education. I brought the voices of family farmers and uh, Main Street businesses to Washington, and I've tried to reform Washington. I've made it a priority to work with both parties. In fact, I've 
had more bills uh, signed into law by the president than any other freshman member of the delegation. And I passed as many bills as any other member of the delegation, Democrat or Republican. I'm running for re-election, and I'm reapplying for my job because that work has only just begun, and I believe that I'm the right person to continue it. Okay, let's uh, talk about the pandemic, which is uh, a big part of everybody's lives these days. Uh, We know that uh, more than 210,000 Americans have died. We know that more than 2,100 Minnesotans have died. We know that businesses are closing, people are out of work. What will you support to get us past the pandemic and get people back to work safely? And Congresswoman uh, Craig, let me start with you. Well, what I would support, Mike, uh, is what I've been saying we should be doing uh, from the start. In order to get people back to work, to reopen the economy, to get kids back to school, we're going to need a federal strategy to suppress the virus. What that means uh, in practice is not what we've been seeing from this administration. Uh, We need testing, we need contact tracing, and we need isolation strategies. That's not what we've seen. We need to make sure that our supply chains are well-equipped to get PPE to those who need it in time, that testing supplies don't run short. Uh, This handling of the coronavirus by the administration has been an abject failure when you talk about the 210,000 Americans and the more than uh, 2,100 Minnesotans who've died. Tyler Kistner, what about you? What do you think we have to do to, and what would you support in Congress to uh, get past this thing, get people back to work? The, the place we need to be focused is on providing relief to those who are most affected by this virus. As I went across this district and talked to the families all across every corner of the second district and talked to the small businesses, they're the ones who need the relief. They're not looking for a bailout. And what we're seeing in Washington is just finger pointing. And as you're, you're hearing day in, day out on the news, it's just partisan bickering of continuing to create these relief wish lists. And my own opponent, Congresswoman Craig, she continues to put a lot of this stuff that is not going to get approved by the Senate or the president because it's not providing relief to those who are affected most. We need to ensure that we're expanding allowable use of PPP and giving everyone a second round because we need to combat this virus and make sure that we have things in place to address the supply chain issue. We need to hold China accountable and we need to get people back to work safely and effectively to rebuild this economy and make sure we're pushing towards greater prosperity. So, uh, Tyler Kistner, if there's another stimulus package, uh, should state and local governments get help? Should schools get help? Um, Unemployed people, airlines, or or would you limit the aid just to those uh, personal, uh, uh, you know, the business loans? It it needs to go to everyone who's affected. It is the local, it is the state, it's our schools, it's everyone that you literally listed out. It's the businesses that need to get back to being open. They need to get their employees back safely and effectively. We already have the guidelines in place to make sure that we're protecting the most vulnerable from the coronavirus. And we need to always be focused on rebuilding this economy. We can't keep it shut down. We have to build towards prosperity, and we have to make sure that it's the voices of the people that are in that relief bill and not partisan bickering. Angie Craig, what would you support in another stimulus bill? Well, I've already supported uh, two additional stimulus bills that are sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk right now. Look, the most important thing that we have to do is keep the engine of this economy running. Uh, The 
the Fed, uh, the Minneapolis uh, Minneapolis Fed has said the most important thing that we can do is to continue to provide uh, economic stimulus checks uh, to make sure that those who have been affected uh, through unemployment uh, and this virus continue to have unemployment insurance. Uh, and then we've got to support our state and local governments. We're talking about teachers and firefighters and police officers. I was just on the phone this week to to a young mother, a furloughed teacher in my congressional district who has a 12-year-old daughter. Well, the bills came due on October 1st. Her unemployment insurance plus up has run out. And I've been encouraging um, my party to continue uh, to be at the table and, and was just astounded this week when the president tweeted that he was taking his ball and, and going home. So, you know, we need to get back to the table. We need to continue uh, both parties to negotiate a COVID relief bill. That is the most important thing that we can be focused on right now. Tyler Kistner, do you support the mask requirements? Um, because we have seen a number of Republican events, including the one at the White House that apparently triggered the uh, the outbreak there, that where the masks seem to be optional. Um, why does that keep happening, and, and what do you think about a mask requirement? So I wear a mask, and I support everyone wearing a mask to keep those around them safe. I mean, I have a wife who is pregnant, and I have a four-year-old daughter, and so I am very concerned to make sure that I do everything I can to mitigate the spread of this disease to them. Um, but let me go back to the uh, the other comment from my opponent, Congresswoman mm-hmm. Craig, who says she's working so hard to find a bipartisan uh, relief bill when it was her own freshman Democrat congressman who presented a bipartisan bill, which was then turned down. Nancy Pelosi put this uh, relief bill with just pretty much all partisan type uh, wish lists, which my opponent favored. And then her own Congress, freshman uh, Democratic congressman, came out and spoke against the very bill that my uh, opponent, Congresswoman Craig, actually voted in favor for. Uh, Angie Craig, I'll let you respond to that. <laughs> well, I think I think Tyler may be mistaken. It wasn't a bill at all. It was a framework. And I certainly supported the framework that was put, uh, put forward by 25 Democrats and 25 Republicans. And I actually told leadership, if you turn that into a bill and my team, I'm happy to support it. No bill that comes to the House floor, what you uh, understand as you gain experience, is going to be perfect. I have voted for imperfect bills. Uh, but what, what, I, what I continue to do is encourage both sides to come together. You know, 80 percent of the bills that I've written, that I've co-sponsored, have been bipartisan. I work uh, regularly with Congressman Pete Stauber from the 8th Congressional District on a number of issues. And, uh, of course, we need uh, to have support for the airline's uh, workers. But we also need to give support to Main Street restaurants like Wildcats here in Egan and Spiral Brewery over in Hastings and Plate and Prior Lake. Look, part of the COVID relief bill that's sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk right now would provide $120 billion to grants to our local restaurants. These are exactly the kinds of investments we need to make in our own communities. And uh, our businesses are suffering. And I serve on the House Committee on Small Business. I was part of developing the Paycheck Protection Program. And one of the bills the president signed into law was actually an extension of PPP. Uh, That was my bill. 
Uh, I am curious if uh, Congressman uh, Pete Stauber was in favor, as you were, to remove $600 million from supporting our law enforcement, making sure they had PPP or uh, PPE and uh, resources necessary to actually ensure our law enforcement had what they needed to to keep our community safe. Oh, I have a very good relationship uh, with law enforcement here in this district. I uh, speak to them on a regular basis, and uh, Tim Leslie in Dakota County and Luke Hennon in in Scott County, and uh, continue to make sure that I'm meeting the needs of uh, law enforcement here in the district. In fact, uh, I spoke out very consistently uh, against defunding the police. Uh, My opponent here on the line is uh, consistently not told the truth about my position. I do not support defunding the police. In fact, I voted twice since I was a member of Congress to uh, send community-oriented policing grants to local law enforcement. Let me uh, just change the subject a little bit because I mentioned the unusual circumstances of this campaign um, with the third-party candidate dying uh, close to the election, and uh, at least the state law says there should be a special election in February to actually determine who will sit in Congress. And uh, Congresswoman Craig, you uh, filed a lawsuit in federal court to oppose that. Why did you do that, and why do you think the November election should be the one that counts here? Well, before we talk about the implications on our race, I just want to acknowledge that uh, a mother lost her son, and I want to make sure we continue to keep her and uh, Adam's family and friends in our thoughts and prayers Um, We believe, quite simply, that federal law supersedes state law in this instance, and that's what we've asked the district court uh, to opine on. We we don't believe the state can move the election. It's very clear in federal law that races for U.S. House occur on even-numbered years. That's actually in federal law in the November general election. So anything else but that is going to leave voters disenfranchised here in this district because their votes wouldn't be counted in the November general election. And the district, uh, very importantly, would be unrepresented for a critical period of time in 2021. You know, the Supreme Court is uh, going to hear the ACA case in November. This next Congress, early in its tenure, I believe, is going to have to put a new health care plan in place for our nation if Republicans get their way and toss out the Affordable Care Act. And my opponent has stood right by every Republican in this administration uh, when he talks about repealing the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, he'll tell you, yeah, but we're going to keep your pre-existing conditions. The ACA is the law that does that. It was absolutely routine for insurance companies to deny coverage to Americans, to Minnesotans, before the ACA. There will be nothing in place to protect the 51% of the non-elderly in our congressional district that have a pre-existing condition if the Affordable Care Act is thrown out. Actually, health care was next on my list, but Tyler Kistner, let me ask you, uh, your lawyer has argued that the state law should stand and the, the election should be in February. Why is it better to go that way than to uh, have the November election decide things? Well, before I go into that, uh, let me just say, when it comes to the support of the police, I have the endorsement of the Minneapolis Police Union, as well as the Minnesota Peace and Police Officer Association, statewide organizations endorsing me for my stance and strength to continue to fight for the police officers. But when you get into the uh, the issue of when this election should be held, um, 
I, I will say I, I was at the funeral of uh, Adam Weeks and gave my condolences to the family and the, the heartbreak that they're going through. So my thoughts and prayers continue to go uh, out to them as they, they're going through this tough time. But when you look at the law, the federal law states that states have the right to make up their own election laws. So I'm going to let the courts deal with that. And we're going to continue to push for whatever the courts decide. And I'm here to make sure that we're doing everything we can to let every voice in this district be heard. Just because of the passing of a uh, party candidate should not mean you continue to push forward. I mean, the law was made in place because of the passing of a Democratic uh, candidate in Paul Wellstone. So it's, it's nice to see that we are still going to push to uphold state law. Uh, as the federal government states, and uh, push towards whenever that election is going to be. Well, let me ask you, Tyler Kistner, about uh, health care, because uh, Angie Craig brought it up. Uh, if there, there's a good chance uh, the the Affordable Care Act could be ruled unconstitutional, uh, if that happens, some 20 million people, 20 million Americans could lose their health insurance. What would you do to ensure that people have health insurance that they can both afford and that will protect them when they get sick? Well, myself and the Republican Party have a plan in the Commitment to America that was released uh, earlier in the uh, month of September. But uh, Congresswoman Craig continues to say that I stand at lock and step with the Republicans on the repealing of Obamacare when I was actually deployed overseas serving our country uh, in its defense. So it's, it's hard to say I was standing with them line in line when I was actually uh, being bipartisan, ensuring I was protecting every American. Uh, but when it comes to this, I will always protect pre-existing conditions, just as the president has said, just as every other Republican has said. We will do everything we can to make health care affordable and to cut down on the premiums and deductibles for every American. Congresswoman? <laughs> Tyler, the president said uh, the plan, the legislation would be out in two weeks, and then it turned into two months. And, and frankly, it's now been almost two years since I've been a member of Congress and 11 years since the ACA was passed. Uh, and we still don't have a replacement plan for the ACA from Republicans. In 2017 and 2018, Republicans were still trying to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And, I, Mike, I just want to go back for one second um, on, on Tyler's comments about our election. Mm -hmm. uh, he's literally fighting to stop an election that is already underway. And it's because he believes he can't win right now. He said it himself at his press conference last week that a February special election gives him more time to build name ID. And in the process, he disenfranchises the voter of the voters of this district because their voice doesn't get to be heard in this election. Frankly, I think that's just shameful. He's doing it because he thinks uh, that he has a better chance of winning in February. Tyler Kissner, I mean, I'll give you a chance. Own, her own words literally said she wants to push towards a November election disenfranchising voters of a major Minnesota state party. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what the uh, federal judge decides, and we'll uh, we'll see what happens with that one. Um, you know, we were talking about the Supreme Court, and Angie Craig, I, I wonder if you're in Congress next year and, uh, say, the Democrats have control of the Senate and the White House and a bill comes up that would increase the size of the Supreme Court, would you vote for that? Well, I, you know, that we don't know what's going to happen here in November with respect to uh, who's even going to be in the Senate. I think that that's really a question for the senators 
right now, what I'm focused on is that um, the hypocrisy of Republicans moving forward uh, to fill this seat right now, not because of the politics of it. I'm focused on it because, as we talked about a moment ago, the ACA is literally on the ballot here in November. Uh, Republicans have been trying now for 11 years to repeal the Affordable Care Act. And I don't care what my opponent says, if you repeal the ACA, you no longer get to keep your children on your plan until age 26. Women will pay more than men, just like they did. Uh, insurance companies charge them in the old days. Uh, pre-existing conditions will not be protected any longer, and insurance companies can go back to denying coverage altogether. 20 million Americans would lose their health care. 11 years no plan. I, you know, what, what, what's the HR number, Tyler, for the plan you keep referring to that Republicans have? Tyler Kistner, I'll let you weigh in on health care. And if you, uh, if you want to, uh, how would you vote on a bill if it came up that would increase the size of the U.S. Supreme Court? Yeah, I, I'm curious. Congresswoman Craig never answered the question uh, and just started going into health care on whether uh, she would support increasing the size of the Supreme Court. I mean, it's the same dodging that uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris did the other the other day. But no, we cannot increase the size of the Supreme Court. I mean, it's constitutionally bound, and it's something that I will continue to fight against. Okay. Actually, well, I don't, actually I, the Constitution I, I, I doesn't say a number on the Supreme Court. Yeah, the, the, the Constitution doesn't, and I just... Uh, remind listeners that uh, Mitch McConnell is moving forward during the middle of a pandemic when we should be focused on a COVID relief bill to uh, expand the size of the court from eight to nine in the middle of an election where the American people are speaking. Well, then I think it'd be good to put a clean bill to the to the Senate that the president's asking for. Our time is uh, is running a little short. Let me, since you brought up the uh, the presidential nominee, Tyler Kistner. Let me ask you, is there a place, any place, where you split with your party's nominee for president on a big issue? Uh, it's, it's more of something I, I disagree with the government writ large, and that is uh, spending. I'm a fiscal conservative, and I think we need to look at decreasing the spending of the government. And Angie Craig, is there any place where you split with uh, Joe Biden on a big issue? Well, first of all, it's really hard to take his uh, comments seriously, my opponents, when, when he has said that he supports President Trump 99% of the time. I am worried about uh, debts and deficits. That's why I worked with the president's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, to put forward a bill that would save uh, about $150 billion a year in improper payments. The president actually signed uh, that into law. You know, I've stood up to my own party uh, as a member of Congress. I filed an amendment to stop a pay raise for members of Congress. The people in my uh, my constituents, uh, on average, make about uh, a family of four, $81,000 a year. And some Democrat thought it was a good idea to give members of Congress a, a pay raise. I stood up to um, the speaker uh, a week ago when uh, they started playing politics with our family farmers and funding the Commodity Credit Corporation. I you have know, no problem Congresswoman, up to I'm my sorry, party. but we're almost out of time. I promised you a minute at the end, so why don't you go ahead and make a final argument in one minute? Well, thank you so much. Uh, it really has been an honor, Mike, to come back to NPR. And uh, today, I 
the people of the second district have heard uh, two candidates uh, with uh, very distinct visions of what we'd like to see here for this country. I'm committed to continuing my work on a bipartisan basis and across the aisle to expand access to affordable health care. I've written or sponsored over 100 bills. Uh, Two-thirds of the bills that I've worked on as a member of Congress have been bipartisan, and my opponent has pledged to support the president 99% of the time. I firmly believe that I'm the right candidate to continue to represent the 2nd District because I've proven that I will represent this whole district, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or you don't like Democrats or Republicans. So thank you so much, and I uh, humbly ask for your vote. Tyler Kistner, one minute to make a final argument. Yep. And Mike, thank you so much for putting this on. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for tuning in to be informed and hear from both myself and my opponent. Um, and I'd like to just say I'm a selfless veteran who's Minnesotan born and raised and always puts the family values and Minnesota values first and foremost. It's that servant leadership to make sure that we continue to fight and be an advocate on behalf of this district. I'm here to represent people just as I did when I was serving our country overseas, always putting the needs of this district first and foremost, because it's always the people's interest over the special interest. When you look at my opponent, she continues to say she is bipartisan and votes with both parties. Yet when you look at her voting record, it speaks for itself. She votes 90, almost 97 percent with her own party. And then when it comes to special interest and lobbyists, almost 40 percent of her campaign cash comes from them. So it's someone in this district that we need true representation. We need someone who's going to put service before self. And that's exactly what I'm going to do for the second congressional district. That's Republican Tyler Kistner running for Congress in the second district. We also heard from DFL Congresswoman Angie Craig seeking a second term. Thanks so much to both of you. And thanks so much to everyone who's listened. This is our program for this Friday. Thanks.